Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Duncan had it. They turned it over. Alley-oop back to Kevin. Oh, baby! Woo! Hey, D! You can see it coming, and the building is electric off that slam dunk. Hello and welcome back to the A Wolf Among Wolves podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Hetke. As always, this podcast is a part of the A Wolf Among Wolves podcast network on awolfamongwolves.com. Today I'm recording after the Minnesota Timberwolves got absolutely trampled by the Portland Trailblazers in Portland. Uh, the game ended up being a 135-117 to 117, uh, Portland win but I promise you the game was not that close outside of the first quarter. The Timberwolves absolutely got trampled after uh, the first quarter was over, and Portland never looked back, and then the Timberwolves closed the gap a little bit in garbage time. And I just I just wanted to kind of go through this game because there's some things that I think were good in this game, only a couple, but there was a couple good things, and then a lot, a lot, a lot of bad things. So I'm going to start out with just a couple quick um, silver linings. The first silver lining being that uh, the Timberwolves made 14 threes, and that is good for a free French dip and Swiss sandwich from Arby's. So if you guys have the Timberwolves app, take advantage. I know I have been taking advantage of that every time it happens, and it's Kind of how I paid for food in my spring semester of college last year. So take advantage of that. Why not? Um, but other than that, in all seriousness, I wanted to start out with one good positive note before we talked about a lot of bad things that happened tonight. And that would be D'Angelo Russell's play, specifically in uh, the first quarter. But offensively, pretty much the entire time he was out there, he looked really solid. Um, he did not play like he had in the beginning of the season. And he had a good game in Denver on Tuesday night. And he looked good again tonight, which is a positive sign because D'Angelo Russell not playing well with Carl Anthony Towns out is just really, really bad. Um, but unfortunately, tonight, 
it wasn't good enough anyways. He played good for the second game in a row, and the Timberwolves lost for the second game in a row, which is just not at all what you are hoping to see when you have, you know, D'Angelo Russell playing well. You hope that you don't waste those games. And the great Britt Robson tweeted that out, that the Timberwolves are wasting the best game of Russell's season tonight. And that's exactly what happened. They did not uh, play it with the same energy level that he did in the first quarter, especially. He even, like, showed effort and determination and a commitment to playing defense in the first quarter. And the team looked good in that first quarter. They came out of the first quarter with a one-point lead, 29-28. Defense still didn't look great. Uh, Portland was missing some shots, which is why it was only a 28-point quarter for them. But, yeah, they got to be better after that first quarter because D'Angelo Russell did look really good. He ended the night 26 points, uh, 9 of 16 shooting, 3 of seven from uh, 3 for 7 from deep, which is... Really good efficiency. He was 5 for 6 from the line. Getting to the line 6 times is good. And, yeah. He still... After the second quarter, really, third quarter, um, offensively, or defensively, excuse me, he didn't look good in the second and third. and four, even, I don't even know if he played the fourth quarter. I don't think he did. But he didn't look good defensively outside of the first quarter. Um, but the team didn't look good defensively at all. Team defense was really, really bad, and that is not a way to win basketball games. And the Timberwolves are going to have to be held accountable for that. And it needs to start now, because if they're not playing defense, they are not winning any games without Carl Anthony Towns, because the offense is not good enough. The offense is not good enough without Cat to win them games when their defense is legitimately the worst in the entire league. It's not. And... I will make the argument that Josh Okogie and Carl Anthony Towns are the Timberwolves' two most important defenders. Culver might be considered a better defender than Cat is, but he's not more important to the Timberwolves' defensive scheme than Towns is. The way we saw Towns buy into those first two games, those first two wins of the season, was really encouraging. And him being that anchor, that poised, disciplined anchor on the defensive side of the ball is really important to the Timberwolves' defense. And then Josh Okogie's point-of-attack defense is really important to the Timberwolves' defense. So I think, the, I think the Wolves' defense will be better than the 30th defense in the league when those two players come back. The problem is, when do they come back, and how much better than the 30th defense are they? Think about it this way. The Timberwolves have no size at the center spot without Towns. Ed Davis is small. Nas Reed is he's a big dude but I wouldn't constitute what he has as like a deterring size at the rim he's not deterring people away he's not he doesn't have any strength really behind him um and he's not super tall he's only 6'9 so the Wolves don't have any size behind Towns and that that's a product of Rosas building the team which I'm going to talk about later on in this episode, so make sure you listen to that because that's another topic I want to get to. But the really important thing is that point of attack defense from Josh Akogi because Josh Akogi is the player you want to put on Damian Lillard. He's the player you want to put on Jamal Murray. And you just weren't able to do that. You had to rely on Culver and Beasley to be in those roles. 
Um, a lot of these games would be a lot closer if Josh Okogie was able to be there and slow those guys down. Now, Damian Lillard's probably still going to score 20-something points on Josh Okogie. But he sure as hell is not scoring as many points on Okogie as he is against Beasley and D'Angelo Russell. It's just a fact Josh Okogie's defense is many tiers above both those players, no matter how much energy and how bought in either of those guys are. So that's really important. And I'm not saying Okogie is the second best player on this team by any means. But he is one of the, if not the most important player on the defensive side of the ball for Minnesota. The offense hasn't been good, but I think that a product of the poor defense has been a, a poor offense. And I think that if you if you shore up some of those those places that you're lacking, some of those shortcomings on the defensive side of the ball, it's going to help you on offense. You're going to get more transition looks. And another thing is I think that having Towns back is just going to make your offense way better. Towns is the most gifted big man offensively outside of maybe Jokic in the league. He's the best shooting big of all time, and he just opens up the floor. I mean, think about all the times where you can see Ed Davis hand the ball off to D'Angelo Russell or set a screen and pop out and then tonight, Nurkic is just in the paint because Ed Davis literally will not shoot that three. He said that. He's not going to shoot that three. He's never made a three-point shot in his entire life. I don't know if he's even shot a three-pointer in the NBA. So that's a non-factor. If Towns is there, it opens up the floor for cutters. It opens up the floor for D'Angelo Russell to work more. It opens up the floor for drives from Edwards and Beasley. And those are things we just don't see with Ed Davis, uh, you know, being the center of that of that main group. And that's that's important to the offense too. But I think even going back to my point of defense translating into offense, that's that's the deal. You get more of those transition looks uh, because you're getting a steal or you're rebounding well and you're pushing the ball. The Timberwolves didn't rebound well tonight. They had a total of. Excuse me, they actually did rebound well tonight. They had 48 compared to 44 from Portland, but at one point I checked, they were down by about 8. Um, I'm not entirely sure if those rebounds came in garbage time. I would have to look deeper into that, but it didn't seem like they rebounded well tonight, um, and that and that's a problem because they need to be rebounding well for this team to win games. Like Rebounding is one of the most important things that contributes to winning basketball games. Um, but just in short, the defense was really bad. Um, and they don't have good defenders, so I don't know how we expect that. I think the offense could still be better, and I think the effort level could and should still be better than what the Timberwolves have been providing on the floor. And you could see D'Angelo Russell trying to lead with that in the first quarter. And then it got away from the team, and he, he just said screw it and didn't try on defense again and nobody did and it led to a lot of open shots for Portland a lot of defensive miscommunication and it's just all around not not good um talk about the offense too shots just weren't falling um which is tough the Timberwolves ended the night shooting 41 percent from the field 42 percent from the field uh compared to 54 percent from Portland they were 14 to 41 from deep 
which is 34%. Overall, just not not the type of shot making you want. Um, and those numbers could even possibly be inflated from that that garbage time minutes where the Timberwolves made a run and got the lead from 30-something points down to, down to 18. Um, the one person I want to talk about shots not falling is Malik Beasley. He had a really, really bad game. So I'm going to read Malik Beasley's stat line to you. Malik Beasley scored 12 points. He had four rebounds and two assists. Um, his 12 points came on three of 13 shooting from the field. He was three for six from three-point land. That's good. 50%. You can't complain about that. But that means he was zero for seven from the floor. That's not That's not good. And you know what a lot of those were? They were fast break opportunities where Malik Beasley tried to score on two or three defenders when he had no numbers, he had no help, and he just botched the layups. Somebody needs to tell Malik Beasley, it's okay if you just pull that ball out, we set up an offense, and we just run through it. But I like the intensity, and I like the drive to get to the bucket, but he he has to realize there is times for that. When it's one-on-one, I'm very comfortable with him getting to the bucket and finishing. When it's one-on-two, one-on-three, or two-on-three, it's not advantageous, and it'd be better if he just pulled it out and set up an offense. And we didn't see him do that tonight. And it's hard to knock Beasley because he's been one of the most consistent effort guys on the team. He is in the most he's in the best shape on the team. And he just he works hard and he's been scoring the ball well uh, for the most part this season. But you sometimes the intensity is ramped up to a level where he doesn't think right and bad things like this happen. Uh, the next topic I want to talk about is Ricky Rubio. We need to have a discussion about Ricky Rubio, and I don't want to do that alone. I want to talk to somebody about that. So I'm going to have to have somebody on to have that discussion about Ricky Rubio. But he has not looked good this season. I talked about that in my last podcast. But Ricky Rubio's season this year has not been good whatsoever. He's had a few flashes but he he's not even the, the good decision-making, the directing traffic type of player that we expected him to be. Couple that with the shot not falling and him taking bad shots, I don't know what you can expect from Ricky Rubio. Like, you can't expect results if that's the type of player you're getting from him. So the Wolves need to... Ryan Saunders... And Ricky Rubio himself, they need to hold him accountable to be the player they brought him in to be. And he had a quote tonight that I'm going to go ahead and find that was tweeted out by John Krasinski, um, where Rubio said that I was, I'll I'll quote it, quote, I was brought here to be a leader and I need to do more in that area, end quote. So he recognizes that, but he has to, he has to show that on the floor. Um, And... I don't know. He just he just hasn't shown that. And he's still getting to know all these players. He hasn't played with any of these players outside of Carl uh, Anthony Towns. And Cat's not even on the floor right now. But he just needs to be better. But everybody has to be better. Um, and, and Rubio said that too. He said, quote, Everybody has, has got to be better. Sorry to call everybody out. And I'd start with myself. So he knows that he has to be better. And he knows that the rest of the team has to be better. 
Now we just have to see those results. Moving on, Jared Vanderbilt tonight. Came a little bit back down to earth, but the energy was still there. And he had a nice, impressive uh, alley-oop dunk. But he also missed an open dunk. And my thing with Jared Vanderbilt is he takes himself out of a lot of plays by being over-aggressive on the defensive side of the ball or on an offensive rebound, diving to the floor when he really has a less than 10% chance of actually getting the ball. Like, I love the effort, but now you're taken out of the play and Yusuf Nurkic is running down the court and he's going to have a wide open lane because the next biggest guy you have on the floor is Juancho Hernan Gomez, who will be snapped in half like a twig if uh, Nurkic has any say about it. So that's the point I'm trying to make where if you are the center and you are the biggest guy in the team and you're going up against somebody like Nurkic and you have no backside help already, you can't take yourself out of those plays. But I don't want to rag on, on Vanderbilt too much because he's one of the few guys showing consistent effort every time he's on the floor regardless of if he's playing against starters or bench players or scrubs. He is showing consistent effort and I think that would go a long way for the rest of this roster. The effort just needs to be there. And it's not there for most guys. Uh, but, but Vanderbilt was back down to earth a little bit. He ended the game with 10 points. Uh, 10 rebounds is good. I don't know when all these rebounds and points came uh, to be exact. But 10 points, 10 rebounds, 1 assist, 2 steals. And he was a minus 13 um, on the night. Which is not good. But considering people like Russell were minus 15, Hernan Gomez was minus 13, Beasley was minus 20, Culver was minus 14. Um, he's right in there with the rest of the players that really played a lot of minutes tonight. Um, yeah, it, the thing with Jared Vanderbilt is, will he play next to Carl Anthony Towns? Will he play next to Nas Reed to the point where he's not the only big man on the court? Because he's not, he doesn't have the body type of a traditional center that's going to be able to stop the, the Nurkic's of the world or LaMarcus Aldridge on, on uh, Friday, excuse me, Saturday and Sunday night. Those are the type of people that he's going to struggle against. Um, and he's going to bring energy and he's going to try his best, but he's just undersized for those type of roles. And we saw him play alongside um, Nas Reed tonight for a little bit in garbage time. Uh, and I don't want to put too much stock into that. I wish it would have happened earlier in the fourth quarter when they ran with Vanderbilt and McDaniels. Although I did like seeing McDaniels minutes. Um, I would have liked to see Vanderbilt and Nas Reed play together in that situation. But unfortunately, they didn't do that. And we didn't get to see it in a time where it wasn't against complete completely end of the bench guys because for a while the start of the fourth quarter the Timberwolves were still playing against like um Gary Trent Jr. was out there you know he's he's a true rotational player for for the Blazers it's not like the whole fourth quarter CJ Ellaby was on the floor um but for the time that Reed and um uh excuse me Jared Vanderbilt shared the floor it was against like CJ Ellaby and I don't who uh Anthony Simons um Blevins was on the floor, you know, Harry Giles, people that didn't play the game up until that point. 
um, which is, you know, not the time that you want to really evaluate a duo playing together on the floor. Um, but in the end of the day, it it is what it is, I guess. Hopefully we'll see it more if uh, the situation arises for it. Um, but the one thing I want to talk about that doesn't necessarily solely pertain to tonight's game, but kind of pertains to the Timberwolves as a whole and the roster as a whole, is uh, Gerson Rosas' roster building. And I put out a tweet today um, towards the end of the game, and they got a lot of backlash for Not backlash, but I got a lot of people uh, replying to the tweet, and I just said that, I said, people are seriously giving up on Rosas' ability to build a team because the Wolves are bad without two of their three most important players, i.e. Uh, Towns and Josh Akogi. And people are saying that, you know, the Timberwolves should still look better. Like, they are, they're not expecting wins. Um, they're just expecting competitive play. And I'm totally with you there. Uh, we, all know the Tim- we all know the Timberwolves probably aren't winning a game against the Lakers and the Clippers even with their best effort with this team. But the effort hasn't been there for the most part. The only two somewhat good games were both Denver games. Outside of that, really bad effort all around for the Timberwolves. And I get it. And I sympathize with you guys there. Uh, This is a safe space. We're going to talk about this. Um, The effort needs to be there. The effort needs to be there for the Timberwolves to try and win some basketball games. But I don't think that fully reflects on what Gerson Rosas' roster building is. First point I want to make, Gerson Rosas has never said that this roster is complete. He's actually said the opposite and said that this roster is incomplete and there's still moves that need to be made to get this roster to the point of where he feels really good about it. And to the second point, Rosas didn't plan for his star player, his superstar player, to be out with an injury two games into the season before the team has even identified a before the team has even identified a an identity with Carl Anthony Towns. So now they have to identify an identity without him. They haven't even done that with him, and now they're expected to try and establish one without him. And by the time that happens, Cat is going to be back. And they're going to have to try to establish one with him. That's tough. And like I said, Rosas didn't imagine that Towns would be out right away or at all. Towns does not have a history of injuries outside of last season. He's been really healthy, which Timberwolves fans have been really blessed by. But this year, he's hurt. Last year, he's hurt. And this year, he's hurt. Um, I think the fault in Rosas is he didn't have a good backup plan. And I think it's important to have a backup plan, um, even if it's not great, just like a decent backup plan. And the Wolves didn't have that. Um, they have Nas Reed and Ed Davis. Not ideal players to fill a starting role. I think that I really like the combo of Ed Davis, um, Nas Reed, and Jared Vanderbilt as the backup centers. Because they all provide useful, useful things that the Timberwolves can, you know, pick, pick their poison of. Like if you need a little scoring out of your bench big man, you put Nas Reed in the game. 
if you need somebody to set some some screens to get D'Angelo Russell open, you put Ed, Re- Ed Davis in the game. If you put if you need somebody that just brings that energy, you put Jared Vanderbilt in the game. But when those three are your centers all together and Carl Anthony Towns isn't there, that's a problem. And that that's a failure on Gerson Rosas in his team building. And granted, like I said before, he shouldn't have had to guess that Towns would be out uh, this early in the season or at all during the season. But it should still there should still be a backup plan in case it is because this team needs to stay afloat. And with those centers, it's really hard to stay afloat. So that is a fault on Rosas. And don't get me wrong, I am a very firm believer in Gerson Rosas, um, but I do want to acknowledge that that's a that's a mistake by him, and that's on him to have a roster that looks like that. Um, he's he's built a team that doesn't have a true option to not replace Cat because you're never going to replace Carl Anthony Towns, but to even come remotely close of being competent with your big man rotation without your star player in there. Um, and like I said, that's on Gerson Rosas, and that's something that he is definitely going to have to um, own up to if this losing streak continues and Towns is out for a long time. But the silver lining to all this is the Timberwolves' next four games are against the San Antonio Spurs and the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. They play them twice, bo- both of them twice, at home. Um, Saturday and Sunday they play against the Spurs, and then... F- um, Wednesday and Friday, they play against the Grizzlies all at home. And that's not a silver line to the point where those teams are bad teams. Um, you know, the Spurs are 4-4. Four and four. Um, They're not great. They're not bad. They are a solid team right now. Um, and then the Grizzlies are 2-6 and six there without John Morant. Why I say it's a silver lining is because think about... Who's been killing the Timberwolves, you know, all season long? Specifically, um, the Wizards game, tonight's game against Portland, and then the games against the Denver Nuggets. It's been dynamic guards. Think about with against the Nuggets, Jamal Murray in the first game against the Nuggets. He ended the game with uh, 36 points. Tonight, Damian Lillard ended the game with 39 points in 29 minutes. 39 points. Wizards game, Bradley Beal, 31 points. Let's go back and think about this for a second. Do the San Antonio Spurs have anybody like that? No. They have some decent guards. They have Derek White, Patty Mills, Lonnie Walker, DeJounte Murray. But do they have a Damian Lillard or a Bradley Beal or Jamal Murray? No, they they don't. Does Memphis have a guard like that? Yes, John Morant. He's in a walking boot. Unfortunately, he's been injured. So they don't have another dynamic guard. They have Tyus Jones. They have Desmond Bain, Grayson Allen, but they don't have that dynamic guard. They have Dylan Brooks, don't get me wrong. Dylan Brooks will drop 30 on the Timberwolves' head every time he plays, I guess. Um, And maybe that's going to be another (laughs) Dylan Brooks two games there. But realistically, they don't have a, a guard to that caliber. 
uh, to where you need Josh Okogie there. You know, still not your, your guard defense not going to be good still, but at least they're going up against lesser competition. At least uh, D'Angelo Russell isn't trying to guard C.J. McCollum, or Malik Beasley's not trying to guard Damian Lillard. They have a better chance. Those teams, uh, Memphis isn't good right now without uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant. Um, but the Timberwolves aren't good either. So they need to show some fight in that game. Uh, the Spurs, you're going to have a tough time matching up against LaMarcus Aldridge. Sure, he's probably low past his prime, but he's still got moves. He's still a good player in the NBA. Uh, so you're going to need some defense to try and shore up him in the next two games on Saturday and Sunday. And then DeMar DeRozan, you're going to have to plant Culver on him and hope it works. You're probably going to have to match up their minutes and hope you can survive. And you just hope that the offense looks good um, because the Spurs, they're not a bad team. If the Timberwolves show effort and they come out and, and maybe Josh Okogie's back for those games too, I don't know. Maybe you put Josh Okogie on DeMar DeRozan. But my point is, the Spurs can't be taken lightly either. They just beat the Lakers yesterday. No, last night. Tonight. They beat the Clippers. They almost beat the Lakers earlier in the year. They can't be taken lightly. But I think it's a game the Timberwolves can win if they if they come out. Those two games, I think they're winnable. I don't think I'm going to expect to win. But we better see some effort because we haven't seen effort all season from the Timberwolves outside of the first two games. And it's showing. It's showing up in the standings. It's showing up in the box scores. All the defensive metrics, the offensive metrics, the analytics, the statistical analysis of on-off splits and defensive box plus minus and all that stuff. It's just bad. The Timberwolves just are bad. There's no way, there's no way to get around it. But I think there's hope. I think Josh Okogie coming back, hopefully within the next few days, provides you some hope. Carl um, Anthony Towns possibly coming back by the end of the month, um, hopefully, would provide some much-needed help and hope. Um, so I know it's tough. I know it's tough to keep cheering for this team. And I don't want to sound, you know, I don't really want there to be any, like, animosity or anything between like me and Timberwolves fans or anything um and when I say this I'm not saying this because we don't want you here we're gonna welcome any and all Timberwolves fans what I'm what I'm trying to get at is if you really are suffering from watching the Timberwolves and you can't take it anymore you can find somewhere else some other team to cheer for and that's totally fine I get it. If you're from Minnesota, you you want to cheer for your hometown team because that's what I've been doing across every sport my entire life. But if if you really aren't happy, you can cheer for another team, and that's totally okay. I'm, I don't want to sound like get out of here. We don't want you here because that's totally not true. And it and it it is good to criticize an organization, especially when they aren't doing their job and they're not playing well. It's good to criticize a team. But if you are actively not feeling good every single time the Timberwolves lose and you're just not happy cheering for them, like it's okay to find another team. I personally won't be doing that. Uh, but but you're not roped into to being a fan for life if you don't want to. Um, and there's no hard feelings in that whatsoever. Like Just do what 
do what you need to to be a happy sports fan because it sucks to be miserable all the time. And I hope that the Timberwolves aren't going to be a team that makes us miserable all the time. Um, when the success comes, I think it's going to be sweeter because of all the crap we've been through. All the crap we've been through. Um, so I'm I'm choosing to still try and stay optimistic, but trust me, it gets harder and harder. And I acknowledge this team is not giving effort. This team is not giving effort whatsoever. They came out they came out okay tonight, and then they just fell flat in their face. Um, and I thought momentum was on their side after playing Denver tough on Tuesday night, but it it wasn't. And and that's on everybody involved. But again, I just want to say. Thank you guys so much uh, for sticking through with this Timberwolves theme, uh, team, sticking through with me listening to this podcast. Uh, the Timberwolves are 2-6. and six. Play again Saturday night, Saturday, Sunday, back-to-back against the Spurs. Um, it's going to be a battle if the Timberwolves come out flat again. And we're not going to be happy camp. We're already not happy camp. Excuse me, happy campers. It's going to be even worse if they come out flat. Um, but hopefully brighter days are ahead and hopefully everybody's doing well. I know some things have been happening in the world recently, uh, with a couple days ago, not going to get into specifics about that because this is a bas- basketball podcast and I want this to be a distraction from that stuff. Not that we need to have a distraction from like the realness of those events, but sometimes you just need to take a mental health, um, time and just sit back and do something else, and I'm sorry that that might be cheering for a really lousy Timberwolves team for you, uh, but hopefully you're all doing well. You Hopefully you're in a good mental he- uh, headspace. Um, if you ever need talk, don't don't hesitate to reach out. There's a lot of supportive people around Timberwolves Twitter, including myself. Um, stay positive. Stay optimistic. Uh, hopefully brighter days are ahead for this Timberwolves team and for our Timberwolves fandom. But yeah, we're back at it again. Saturday, Wolves basketball versus the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, again, thank you guys so much for watching, or excuse me, listening. And I, I would like, I'd say it's been fun, but it hasn't been a lot of fun. Hopefully it gets fun soon. But anyways, it's been Brendan. Peace out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.